Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mervyn Dinan, and I'm welcoming you to the Gunnerstown podcast. This is my first time actually hosting the podcast, so please be kind to me in the comments. Um, uh, well, we've all enjoyed a relatively comfortable, relaxed um, victory on a, a bank holiday afternoon, which is probably much needed at the moment. Plenty to talk about from today's game and plenty to talk about from events elsewhere, plus what's coming up later this week on Thursday. Um, so I will, before I hand over to the others, uh, it's a it's a pubcast, therefore what am I drinking? I know Chris loves my craft beer. Today I'm drinking a Brewdog Jackhammer, which is 7.2% of Ruthless India Pale Ale, because Jackhammer is how Arsenal make me wow. feel at the moment. Uh, and with me on the podcast today are Chris. Introduce yourself. Hello, hello, Merv. It's a hop house for me, sir. And I'm feeling fine and dandy on this wonderful Sunday afternoon. And even the sun has started to come out. So happy days. It has indeed. And I'm also joined by Paul. Hello, Merv. Um, it's good to see you break your virginity finally um, after being on the show so many times. <laughs> um, I hope we can make your your afternoon relatively simple and i'm drinking uh stretton wild berry gin with a pitch and leeds tonic and it's delicious it's my third good well I'm, I'm glad to hear it they've given us something to smile about today uh in fact the first comment we've got from uh, karen singh is wish we could play newcastle every week uh yeah there, there are many many seasons in the past, maybe not around the mid-90s when uh, Keegan was their manager, uh, but there are many seasons in the past when I've been feeling that. Um, right, so today's game, it looked relatively comfortable. Uh, we saw some players uh, get some game time that we hadn't seen recently, and we're going to talk later about them and have they played themselves into the team for Thursday. But um, I suppose initially the hot take, Chris, what's your hot take from uh, what you've watched this afternoon? Can I go? I'm going to go a little bit of left of field here because um, you could potentially talk about things like Aubameyang and his goal and the importance of that. You could talk about rotation, things like that. But my hot take is actually on Bellerin. Now, I've been in favour of seeing Bellerin drop out of the starting lineup because I think his form has been poor. But I tell you what, lads, I watched that today and thought, I kind of fancy Bellerin at, at right back for the game on Thursday, and particularly, probably more so after the Louise injury, because, and I've been having a couple of debates with a few people on Twitter about um, the injury to David Louise and what that does for Thursday. And clearly, I mean, we're talking about today's game, but I've spent the entire match thinking about Thursday. So it shows you how much of a meaningless game it was. But I'm, I'm looking, I looked at the performance of Bellerin today and I thought, I'd rather see Bellerin at right back, Chambers at centre half, than I would see now that Louise is injured, then I would see Holding and Chambers. So I think it just gives a bit more dynamism. And I thought Bellerin got forward well. I thought he, he obviously contributed towards the first goal, got an assist in there, I mean, ish, because Aubameyang messed up, obviously, and then Elneny's won the strike. And I just thought we got in behind his 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 fullback quite a lot, and he was, he was good. So that's my hot take. It's a Bellerin hot take for me. Excellent. Uh, how about you, Paul? Um... There was a comment that came up as I was having my, you know, kind of gathering my thoughts towards towards themselves. And um, I was really impressed with Matty Ryan. Um, I thought he looked great. Um, he, he plucked a few balls out of the air. He, he did that one amazing save from that weird shot. I think it was St. Maximum hit it off his own front foot. <laughs> it looped over him. And it was almost Jens Lehmann-esque, like a 
you know, back monkey dive and just managed to flick it over. And I think that goes in and it's a, it's a different game. I think we might've got a bit of the jitters and I think he was, he was great as a sweeper. He, he, um, he looked really assured and, um, I think uh, gives Arteta something to think about because Leno um, hasn't been great, and you know I'm just my the Leno shine is wearing off for me. I'm not crazy about him right now, but that's that's my hot take. Is is Matty Ryan look look very good? Okay, my hot take. The first thing because I make notes, as I think I've said before, the first note I made was if there's a misplaced pass to find, Willian will find it. Um, it's, <laughs> I, again, absolutely. Shocking, I thought, today. Interesting point with the Willian thing, because I was out for a couple of beers with a Chelsea friend. Um, now we can sit outside pubs last You've week. You've got a lot of Chelsea friends, then, Murph. Yeah. What's going yeah, on? Have you noticed that as well, Chris? Every week, it's like my Chelsea friend, my best friend. But he's he's any he's in Fulham, though, to be fair. I know, I know. <laughs> I do, yeah, Craven Cottage is at the end of my road, so I, I was pleased for the locals that um, we got the win today. Uh, but the... the uh, I said to him, he asked me about Willian. I said, oh, you know, everybody, yeah, I thought it was a good idea at the time. But he said, no, he said, you know, Willian divided opinion with us. Even in the seasons when he was playing really well, quite a lot of Chelsea fans just, just didn't rate him. So it, it, he's, he's a player that, that seems to, to, to um, create this wherever he goes. But let's not talk about Willian today because despite <coughs> him, we, we won. And uh, what do we feel? I mean, the first goal was quite early and uh, it kind of set the tone. Uh, you got Aubameyang. Uh, uh, sorry, you <laughs> got Elneny on the score sheet for the first time in the Premier League, which I didn't believe that. Uh, Chris, what did you think about that? Well, I, I think what's good about it is it's nice to score early goals, first and foremost. Like we saw, uh, I think early goals, well, everyone knows, early goals dictate the narrative of a game. And this goal really did spur us on for what was to be quite a comfortable performance in the end. I mean, it was a fantastic ball. Do you know what really it's the bittersweet taste of today and today's game is the David Luiz injury? Because what we saw with that first goal is just what David Luiz brings. Like we get frustrated with him with his mistakes. We get frustrated with him with um, some of the silly decisions, the rash decisions he makes. But one of the things that he's good at is progressive ball distribution from the back. And it's just another different way in which we can um, unlock defences. And the way in which he he hit the, he clipped the ball into that right um, or our right side or Newcastle's left side channel was perfection. But also, again, just going back to my sort of Bellerin loving, um, because, again, I haven't really had much of a Bellerin loving this season. I think he's a lovely bloke, but... He hasn't really delivered at all this season. But today, I thought he was very, very good. And he got into that position in behind uh, his fullback. He's run inside and he's put a good ball back. Aubameyang probably, I mean, I was a little bit worried um, about how Aubameyang's going to react to that and with the malaria and stuff like this. And obviously, it's impacted him. But obviously, we can talk about the fact he scored afterwards. But um, it was a very clean strike from El Nini. Like, when you watch it, in the slow motion replay, like we obviously in the UK have Sky Sports, the ball that was struck, I mean, he can't strike it, strike it much better than that. So, you know, fair play to El Neni. And as uh, uh, Guna Dave said, with uh, who's from our parish, said in our uh, WhatsApp back channels, does El Neni get a start on? Uh, does he get a start on Thursday? Question mark. Will you know, we? With, yeah. 
with with we'll uh, with uh, Sabayas out. So we'll talk about that in a bit, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It, it's a fair point, and and quite a few players I felt out there were making a point for Thursday. Um, the, the the I think one of the interesting things was that that recently we we've got used to the defence almost crumbling, uh, just just backing off and 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 and, and kind of not looking solid. Uh, and today it did. So, I mean, having taken that lead, and I, I appreciate that in the first half, Newcastle weren't, didn't have a lot of attacking intent, uh, but it just seemed very, very solid. What did you think, Paul? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it was interesting to see, well, it was lovely to see Gabriel showing his best qualities, which is his anticipation. You know, he's he's a very forward-thinking player, Um there was one run that he did, which was just great. It was just the slightest feint, and he fainted like three or four um, Newcastle players out of contention and, and found himself up, at, you know, at the edge of their box. And I just found a lot of times that he had that very on his front foot defending, and it worked well for him. I think Newcastle were pretty shit, but I think um, there was one particular moment when Gabriel was left to defend everybody, and there was a breakdown on the right, and he he intercepted that ran on to get the next ball, pressurized the guy back to the to do another back pass, pressurized him all the way back. So basically single handedly he he broke a Newcastle attack down. And um and those are the things that we like to see from Gabriel. And I think he and Louise as as we've mentioned before on this podcast, um they've got a good um understanding together. They seem to they seem to switch it out. You know, they're covered for each other. Um they seem comfortable with each with each other and the communication was good. So yeah, I felt like we had a solid defense but at the same time, you know, it's hard to judge their performance against the Newcastle side that kind of looked pretty zonked up today. I mean, they didn't, you know, if there was one person on the break, that was it. You know, it was either Almiron or nobody. You were San Maximum and nobody. Um, Callum yeah, Wilson yeah. stranded. So, you know, from that point of view, I didn't feel, yeah, yeah. So, I was yeah. Gonna, can I just, I'll echo that um, with you, Paul. And it was really, it was an odd Newcastle sort of setup, wasn't it? Because it was literally like they were just, sitting back and like they were going to hit us on the counter-attack but there wasn't really it wasn't like they were pressing bodies forward for the quick transition which i found really odd it's like if you're going to sit back and try and rope a dope so to speak mm -hmm. then surely what you do is you put your rapid players in positions further up the field so that you can just go front to back quickly and they just didn't do it it was weird yeah they played out a lot from the back and which was surprising because when they did, you know, lump a couple forward, that's that's when we were under pressure most. I mean, you know, a, a quick ball over the top, and you got you got our defenders on their back feet, and we're not great on our on our back foot. You know, like heading towards goal. You know, you saw it against um, um, Villarreal on the in the week. Um, you know, when you're running at the players, um, you know they they backed off a little. When you got past them, they seemed hesitant to put in a tackle. So I think Newcastle missed the missed the trick there. I think they they didn't really play to to a game plan that suited them. I think they suited us today. Yeah. yeah. Can I just sorry one more thing, Merv, and then uh, and then I'll yep. let you talk. <laughs> I'm hijacking. No, it's okay. It's a perfect <laughs> host. I'm just letting the guests so, talk. So I have SofaScore as an app on my phone. Check out some of these stats that I'm reading out to you in terms of out of ten they do like a decimal point. Um, William. 7.4 martinelli 7.3 like how in what on what planet what are they smoking over at sofa school they have william 
as a 7.4. When Martinelli, who I thought had a brilliant game, he had Jacob Murphy on toast all game. Like, he just basically got the ball, dropped a shoulder, went beyond him time and time again. And then with the second goal as well, an absolute peach of a ball, Murph. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, the, the I think, yeah, Martinelli was obviously one of the uh, one of the big positives of this afternoon. And my next question was going to be, how do we feel about his performance? Um, he, he, he really gets the wing play. Um, too often... We have wide players, no names, uh, who, who kind of just don't go wide. They cut in, they kind of, you know, and maybe because they have a partnership with an overlapping player, uh, maybe it would be different with Kieran Tierney in there. But he just seemed to know how to attack his fullback. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, it, it, I know that we seem to have been managing his time, uh, particularly in, in recent weeks since he's regained um fitness um paul what i mean do you think it's beginning to pay off now that, that we were moaning a few weeks ago why aren't we seeing more of him and he kind of over the next few games uh he's going to be the star seeing more of martinelli yeah um yeah i think martinelli you know he he brings an energy and a, a desire to go forward um he makes things happen he shakes stuff up you know and i like that about him um he was fairly solid in defence today. He put in, you know, a couple of clearances. And, in fact, most of our team seemed pretty solid under pressure at the back. You know, like the ball come to them and that we played out really well. You know, we found gaps. A couple of hearts and moment things for me in passing back towards the centre and then getting out. But going back to Martinelli, I mean, I'd like to see him on the wing. I think he's I think he's better on the wing than he is in the, in the centre. And I would like to see maybe for this Villarreal, I would like to see Saka going back to left back. I'd like to see Martinelli play and maybe Shaka in the midfield with Party. Um I think it would just bring a uh, I think it would just bring more solidity, you know, from Arteta tinkering in the last game. But I'm sure we'll get to that later. But that I think Martinelli yeah. on the wing would be a good call and Saka at left back and then shift everything around a little bit might be a Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So highlights. I mean what 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 was the highlight for you, Chris? Other than Mallory. <laughs> Yeah, so Hexbeller indefinitely won. I think the what I was really pleased with was actually the way in which Arteta has uh, game managed a lot of the players. So a lot of us were probably a little bit worried about him making this the squad selection. But today, the squad selection for me, I was a bit like, whatever. But I was really pleased that he just went, right, so Saka, I'm going to give a rest because we need him on Thursday. Party, I'm going to give a rest because we need him on Thursday. Emil Smith Rowe, I'm going to give him a rest because we need him on Thursday. I don't. The worrying thing for me is Kieran Tierney not even being in the squad. I wonder if he's even going to be fit, or is he fit? And they just said, "Nah, we're just not even going to take you, but we're going to play you on Thursday." That's chucking in at the deep end. So that's my that's a slight slight worry. But then the other side of that, the players that needed minutes, he did it. So Aubameyang giving minutes, um, Odegaard giving minutes. Louise giving minutes, which is frustrating that he got injured. So, but Gabriel giving minutes, and I think even though Gabriel had a couple of moments in which I'm not sure, but I still think Gabriel had a better, a decent game, like you said earlier, Paul. And also, he's just a better defender than Pablo Marie. And so, for me, the highlight is that we got minutes into players that needed minutes. We rested players that needed resting, 
and we've gone come away with a morale boosting victory because although this game i was a bit like meh and paul and i were joking on whatsapp because i was so enraged on thursday that i was like i'm not watching it not bothering no that's it i'm done with this i mean i reminded him he's hosting today and he's like it doesn't matter i'll just read the stats (laughs) i'll just wing it Interestingly enough, Arsenal had uh, 19 shots to Newcastle's uh, five. Uh, they had yeah, six yeah. goals of possession. Yeah. <coughs> and yeah. then I turn it around and say, "What do you think of the third goal, Chris?" And you'd be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> "So, so yeah. for me, that was the big thing. The highlights are Arteta got it right in terms of the prep for Thursday. I know that sounds. Like, I know we're, we're post-match podding on a Newcastle game, but that's what really I was like, brilliant, top stuff, tick." It was good. It was good. How about you, Paul? Yeah, I think um, everything that Chris said pretty much, pretty much is it. I think there was a lot of focus on Arteta after Villarreal and and before. I think he's the things that he's been criticised of. Um, uh, I think today he kind of, you know, he didn't didn't double down on his stubbornness and tinkering and stuff. I think he just very pragmatic, solid managerial approach, um, and I think it would have helped for everybody: fitness levels, confidence levels. A bit of momentum going into Thursday, which is probably one of this might be the most important game, you know, <laughs> in our, our recent history. To be honest, I know we've said that a lot. We said that at the, you know, and obviously until if we get through it, the next game against probably United will will be our most important game. But this one really is, you know, it's not in the it's not in the bag. Um, it's going to be a tough it's going to be a tough call. Thank God we're home. I'm glad we got that away goal. But I think Arteta did everything right today to give us a platform to to achieve what we need to achieve on Thursday. Mm. I yeah. think, I mean, I, I would say, Chris, I think in some respects you're lucky that, 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 that it's probably one of the first times you felt a bit kind of near about a towards end of season game where there's not much riding on it. There's, being being the old git of the podcast, I've, I had a few seasons back in the Terry Neal, Don Howe era at least, where it's kind of after mid-April, it's a bit of a chore to go uh, because you know that, that, that you're just not going to see anything. The season's over and it's kind of, they're not even playing well. Um, so I think that the, the, first, Thursday night, which we will talk about shortly, is, is, is crucial because I think I've said on a couple of podcasts recently, you know, without Champions League money, we, we can't even begin to do the rebuild we need. Um, mm. And we're not getting into the Europa League this season. I know we're back up to ninth, and I think three of the remaining four games are against teams towards the bottom. But but it, it's it, I just can't see it happening. Um, just quickly because we're feeling upbeat about it today. But but yeah, every game there are low lights. Uh, so I'll throw it to you first, Paul. What would you say was the low light today? He's on mute. He's lost his sound. He's on mute. That's what He's I was asking. Oh. I was I muted myself because I've got a bit of a cough. But um, probably the low light for me. Hmm. Um, funnily enough, you know, with all the love that Chris has given to Bellerin today, I I couldn't help missing the Bellerin that that actually used to, um, you know, take the initiative. I found that that there were a lot of times that he got the ball out on the right and um, and it basically was a dead end and ended up going back around again to the point where I was going to make a comment about it. So I was a bit surprised that Chris saw, you know, um, something different today, but I realized that that happens a lot in games, you know, where you think, Oh my God, that player was so shit, you know, um, you were so terrible. And then 
then somebody else goes, wow, that was one of the best games I've seen. You go, okay, well, it's just it's perception, I guess. Somebody put here, you asked about my low light. Somebody put a, um, a comment up saying Shaka was solid. Uh, who's this? Jason Cook. Shaka was solid. Not a fan of his, but after the booking, he did well. Now, you know, I felt like Shaka was lucky to be on the pitch. I think that that second, that second foul of his should have been, um, you know, should have been ascending off, and that's 54, 54th minute. And I think for the older players, the Sabioses and the Shakers and stuff, to do that in the game, it's it's just it's unforgivable. I mean, it's 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 reckless, and and that game could have ended up different if Shaka had been sent off, which I think he rightfully should have been. I think it was it was as much a, a second yellow as any. So that's probably my low yeah. light is that people are still prone to making those kind of mistakes, even though we got away with this one. And he is a senior squad member, and we saw yep. Danny Ceballos on Thursday on a yellow yep. just stupidly pick up the red. Um, so it, it's kind of, yeah, that gives the wrong message, um, I think. Uh, was there a low light for you, Chris? My low light is a bit sort of random. It's Don Goodman, the Sky Sports commentator, because he basically spent the entire game bemoaning anything. It felt like bemoaning anything we did and linked to what Paul just said, right? So for me, Xhaka's um, 54th minute foul was probably a foul. It was well, it was definitely a foul. But it's one of those things that if he's not on a yellow, I don't think he gets a yellow. I'm not sure it's even a yellow. I'm not sure. It's, it's probably borderline whether it's a yellow. So it's like 90% possibly, but there's that little bit of doubt. But... Don Goodman was like, oh, that should have been, yeah, you know, he's a lucky boy, blah, 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 blah. But he then didn't apply the same logic when Almiron, who tripped up having been on a yellow in the first half, he tripped Erdegaard. I mean, again, accidental. It's still a trip, though. And yeah, if you tripped... Half accidental, then, Chris. You could see there was a little, there was a little yeah, tap exactly. up. And then he read, oh, oh shit, actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, Don Goodman, oh, no, he didn't mean that. Oh, no, that's totally accidental. And then Danny Ceballos, who had been the culprit behind Almiron getting his yellow, and it wasn't a yellow because Ceballos has um, gone down way too easily. And I don't know about you guys, but to be honest with you, I'd be quite glad to see the back of him, to be honest, if uh, when he go, when his loan expires, because I just don't think he's, he's good enough for Arsenal. And it's quite good that we get to Julio Baptista and just send him back to Real Madrid. But... Um, Don Goodman was like, oh, no, no, he was so he was so effusive and saying, oh, no, no, not at all, not at all. And then totally different sort of logic applied. And then there was a bit in the in the second half where Callum Wilson makes a slide tackle in on Gabrielle, I think it was. And I had a discussion with, with Mark, um, obviously, uh, of our parish, uh, Mark King, saying on Twitter, saying, you know, you can't you can't give yellows for any kind of slide tackle. But in the modern game. If a striker goes to ground, if he makes a slide tackle, doesn't win the ball, takes the player. In this game today, even though it, people talk about, oh, you're ruining football. Well, football's already ruined and that, that would be a yellow, but yet nothing from Mike Dean. So from my perspective, and again, so relating to Don Goodman as my low light, Don Goodman didn't say a thing. Yeah, he was quite quick to just bemoan any kind of little touch on an Arsenal player or anything like that. Oh, you know, I don't like players. Rubbish. John Goodman in the bin is my low light. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm concerned about Danny. I mean, I, I it's two seasons now that we've had him on loan. And, and there are games where I think, you know what, there's a footballer there, some of his little flicks and stuff. And other games, I think, it, well, well, no, thank God he's only on loan. He can go back. And I, th I think, yeah. yeah. Sorry, man. No, I was going to say, with the Xhaka thing, I, it was an interesting point you made. Is it... 
is that kind of a thing it's a yellow but it's not a second yellow and i think yeah. is i think referees might think look i've got to put a message out he can't go around doing that all afternoon but then i think it's a say you know, am i going to send him off for that yeah especially yeah, ju- you so. know, ju- early in the match too relatively i think it's yeah. it's tough i think yeah, you I, know i admire it when refs let the game with let the game move on and and you know as an yeah. arsenal fan i'm glad that shaka stayed on um, but if he'd been sent off, when you see the replays, I mean, it's cynical. I mean, when we, we complain when City do the, you know, that rotational fouling, you know, where every member of the team takes a turn to do what Shaka does. And in, in, a, in a way, the, the game has to be able to stamp that out. But I just don't know how or when it will happen. You know, we get away with it. Teams get away with it all the time. It's, um, and it ruins the can game, I, really. Can I just jump in on that one? So I think a way in which yep. you stop rotational fouling, Paul, is... To basically, if you start to see that in a game, if you're a referee, if you start to see that in a game, you say, like, Saka's a classic example. He constantly gets rotational yeah, foul. Yeah, so yeah. the way in which you stop that is by by saying, to, like, after the third foul, you go to the captain and say, mate, I can tell that you're all just targeting him at different moments. And a really good example was when we played Aston Villa at Villa Park. Like, they just rotational fouled mm-hmm. all day. So after the third or fourth one of those, you go to the captain and say, Look, it doesn't matter if um, it's your centre. No matter who it is. Yeah, but who makes the next challenge. The next one that does a a proper foul, like if it's just kind of like a nudge to nudge or it's a 50-50 ball, then fair enough. But the next one that does a proper foul, i.e. he's got away from you, you just pulled his shirt back or you just tripped him, whatever it is, I'm booking him. doesn't matter if it's the first challenge. That's how you do it. But it's about communication. The referees have to do that from very early in the game and they just don't and i'm not going to get on my high horse about the pg mol because they're an absolutely disgraceful organization i'm just gonna pause and let merv uh take rain rain me back in i was sorry before you move on on, just the point about the sabios thing is that um and i think this points to to one of the reasons that we've been fairly dismal this season is our lack of goals from midfield. And if you're going to have somebody in a position like Ceballos is, he's got to do better. He has to assist more, score more. You've got to get like six or eight goals and six or eight assists out of a person in his position. And if you're not getting that, bin, I'm sorry. You know, they just need to go. Um, otherwise, we're just not going to be moving moving forward at all. So as far as I'm concerned, adios, amigos. Okay. Um I was the. I suppose the next thing we would normally talk about. We do have other things to discuss, so I'll quickly do this one. Is um, substitutions. I mean, I won't talk about the lineup because I think everybody felt when it was announced, it was kind of the best he could do with an eye on Thursday and with what happened last Thursday to give minutes to players who needed it, and to maybe get a game under the belt for players whose form hadn't been great lately. In terms of substitutions, do we think he managed them well, or, or you know he? Could have done it differently. I think today was pretty good, actually. I mean, sorry, Chris, yeah, go ahead. No, Paul, yeah. you did start. There was silence, Paul, so I just said Chris. Paul, crack on. Yeah, so um, I think I think Chambers was a good replacement for um, for Louise because I think in Arteta's head, you, if you put on, you know, holding or something, and holding gets injured, then now you've you've he's obviously protected the holding Marie pair, and, I, and I'd be surprised if they don't start on Thursday, to be honest. They may not be as um, exciting and they may not be as um, as progressive as the Louise Gabriel one is, but I think that they've done a job. I think Marie has has amazing um, 
stats when he's in the team. I think he's, you know, I think he's only lost one game or something out of 15 when he, you know, he's on the pitch. Um, I, I can see why Arteta might protect that, that central pair. So bringing in um, Chambers instead of maybe, uh, you know, potentially, you know, damaging his Thursday starting lineup, I think was probably pragma pragmatic. Uh, I didn't mind Pepe having a bit of a run around. Um, who else did we? Who else did we sub? Did we use our subs? Yeah, Odegaard went off, and he. Um, oh, Partey came off. Yeah, that's right. And Partey. And, and I was good to see. I was glad to see him get a little bit of of time yeah. because, um, Partey's been um Partey has been Partey. You say tomato. Yeah. I say tomato. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he's been struggling a little bit to find form, and I think today he was he was pretty solid. Um, so the substitutions, I would, I would say, are to get eight out of ten. Yeah. Okay. I do you know what? Can I just echo that? So I thought the Aubameyang one probably could. I mean, I'm just, I'm just a champion. I'm a child of the Championship Manager generation, so I'm absolutely terrified of players getting into the red zone and fatigue and all of that sort of stuff. And so I would have probably have brought Aubameyang off a little bit earlier. I thought I didn't really understand. The only thing I'd probably say a bit like what's the point is the party one because I would just rather it's, it's a bugbear that I have and this goes back to like even Arsene Wenger used to do it like back in the day you used to get like a, a Champions League game where we we're already qualifying and he'd bring on like an Henri or he'd bring on, bring on like a Fabregas or whatever it is and you'd almost be like we're qualified just play a kid just chuck an disease in let's yeah. we've got to start seeing them because let's be honest We've got to start making. We've got to start offloading some of the the current hail end, some of some of the hail end lots so that we can make some money, so that we can actually like invest in the squad in the summer. Mm. Yeah, no, this is a fair point. I mean, on Arteta's, uh, I suppose, on his side, he's he's got to he's got to try to win all our remaining league games, and and yeah, in the hope that that you know to cover himself for the Europa League. So. In that respect, I'm guessing it's um, rather than rotate, experiment and give some minutes to a youngster, he needs to try to win the games. But um, uh, I, we're getting quite a few comments. In fact, Olaf, who's often on this podcast with us, has, has been um, in the messages telling us what, what Mikel Arteta has been saying. Uh, Pierre-Emerico Bamarang said in the last five minutes he was dying a little bit, but to tell the truth, he felt good for most of the game, uh, which is great. Uh, Steve Bruce seems unhappy that Fabian share, about Fabian shares red card. You're not allowed to tackle anymore. Well, you know, Steve Bruce did plenty of those. I remember seeing. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, um, let us move on because I, I know Chris is only with us for a limited amount of time today. Um, I suppose there's there's three more things to discuss, and the first is Thursday night. So I'm going to do a, a kind of in terms of the plays we saw today. Who do you think deserves a place, or at least to be strongly considered for a place, and I'm going to go player by player. Hector Bellerin. Yes, I wouldn't. I wouldn't play him on Thursday now. Uh, so, Paul, I who would, would you play uh, uh, right back? I'd play Chambers. Yeah. Okay. Um, I originally, it was going to be Louise, but obviously, we'll take that off because I doubt it's going to be fit. Right. There were two Gabbies out there. Gabriel in defence, would you play him Thursday or stick with Mari? Gabriel, I'd play Gabriel. Yeah, I think it's about partnerships. I, yeah. Gabriel and Holding have never worked for me. I, I would play Holding and Marie. Chambers and Gabriel, though. James and Gabriel are better in outright. 
Just saying. Yes. How do you <laughs> feel about that? Uh, hmm. No, I think if I think if we yeah well we'll move on to like my idea for the left back would be if that's the next question would be Saka in which case I think you know I think that um I think with that kind of creativity um I think it might be better to have something more solid than a Gabriel who's also a bit you know headstrong and forward thinking I think we need a good base and then we can have Saka you know and Chambers kind of playing as as wing backs which they both do well Chambers has put in some good crosses. Better, I mean, Bellerin got the assist today, but I think Chambers puts in better balls than Bellerin we has recently. Yeah, um, and I think he's got more to his game. You, you saw him playing that kind of centre back role. So if there's a kind of a, you know, if we're going to pivot round, if Saka's going to go forward, I think Chambers is a better person to then slot into that right back role yeah. in a three than Bellerin is. But um, that's just my thought, Chris. Okay, Gabby. Yeah. Gabby. I like, do you know what? Do you know what? Sorry. Yeah. So just on what you just said, Paul, um, I kind of see what you're saying there. I'd probably rather give Gab, but the thing is, it's a semi final. So I don't know. I'm a bit torn. But the idea of Gabriel at left back and then moving Shaka into central midfield, if we don't have Tierney, is a bit more palatable. So I don't want to see Chukwese, uh literally driving at Gabriel. I feel like. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, Shaka, because I feel like Gabriel's at least got a bit more pace to contend with him as a centre-half, mm. and he's quite good at one-on-one duels, so I'd be thinking about that, definitely. And in terms of what you just said, Murph, with Gab- Gabby Martinelli, I wouldn't, but that's just because, not because of anything Martin- Martinelli was brilliant today, but we've got Smith-Rowe, we've got Erdegaard, we've got Saka, I'd be playing those three behind an Aubameyang, if, assuming he's, he's all right. Um, that would be my preferred choice. But also you've got Pepe who's in form as well. So not because Martinelli has done anything wrong. It's more, I just think there are other players that have played more games and are in form. Okay. Uh, Matt Ryan, should he start? I'd play him. I would. (laughs) Sorry, I would. I think he's got more to prove. Um, Leno made some amazing, (laughs) amazing saves against Villarreal. Um, I don't know. I, I do just think don't Chris? think Leno's future's at Arsenal. I don't think he's, he's committed, and I think it bugs Arteta. Mm, possibly. There, there was hints about that, wasn't there, and what Leno said. I would still stick with Leno, only because I haven't. there's not enough sample size with Ryan in terms of his distribution. He came and he collected plenty of balls today, and he was very good, actually. And that was really, really good to see. But his distribution, I don't know enough about it. So it's more devil you know better the devil you know type stuff yeah and and we're up against um billy royale so i mean newcastle are a a traditional lower half premiership team at the moment where it's um uh you know it, it, long balls high balls throw it in the box see what happens uh where i don't think Villarreal will play as much like that um El Nenny, has he, he obviously Ceballos won't be playing, so somebody needs to start alongside Partey. Now, it could be Xhaka if we bring in um, uh, Saka, say, at left back. Um, or do you think El Nenny should? Paul? Um, I think, I don't think I would start with El Nenny. Um, I think El Nenny's, uh, uh, you know, as solid as he is, I, I think that we, we've got to be on the front foot at home. I think we, we need to really dominate, and I don't think. Alneni is the kind of person, if, if we struggled with the kind of players we struggled with away, with, with 15 creative players up front and none of them really able to score, 
I don't think that El Nini is the person that's going to going to make the difference. Which is why I, I I would argue with against you, Chris, in the sense that I can see Saka Pepe and um, who was the other person you said um, um, Smith Rowe. I can see those guys as in support of Aubameyang, but but to be honest, I don't I don't remember the last time any of them really scored. You know, they're not they're not great goal scorers. I don't think they're um. You know, I, and we struggled on Thursday to find goals with those false nine and the false ten and all those creative players. I think Martinelli has an eye for goal, and I think him on the wing and Aubameyang and 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 letting them swap around because neither of them are really great at holding the line. I think if they each had half a game moving in and out, it would create some um, some confusion for Villarreal to defend and also help each of them because they're both good coming off the left. So. Um, I would just like to see Martinelli squeezed in there somewhere and then somebody's going to have to drop out for that. And so, therefore, I don't think there's room for El Nene. I don't think you'd bring the creativity we need. Okay. Um, I was going to ask Willian, but I, I think I can guess the answer to that one. Um, <laughs> but you, you never know that. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I don't know if Chris... I, I don't know how much longer we've got Chris for on this one. So... I can do I, one more, and I can certainly, I can certainly, uh, just before I uh, have to disappear off, um, and my wife yeah. will be reprimanded for uh, chucking somebody arriving in my house uh, at the last minute, but um, to collect something. But uh, on William, I wouldn't even let him touch the coach, <laughs> as in the the bus, not the, the bus. Not not on the coach. Coach. <laughs> no, he can, he can touch the coach, yeah, but he just can't get on the bus. <laughs> The only thing we just going around just stroking Arteta's face just so yeah. he can get a place in the team. Just to deal with. <laughs> I'm going to love you and leave you guys. Okay, Chris, right, it's been Chris. great to have you on board. And Paul and myself will continue this. Um, yeah. Because I think a lot of our listeners uh, will probably have seen uh, the scenes during the Sky commentary that were going on at Old Trafford. And I want to get yeah. your take, because I was on the podcast with you the, after the Everton game, Paul. You were very passionate about uh, our, about our fans' uh, protest that night and Cronker out and stuff. Um, what's, uh, do you think that what's happened at Old Trafford today is going to lead to a, a slightly different way of protesting? Yeah, it was interesting that because I saw a still, or maybe it was a short video of of a steward actually letting the fans onto the pitch at, at United, which I thought was, you know, they, there was a comment about give that man a statue, you know. <laughs> when the Glazers leave, you've got a statue of a steward opening a, a gate to their people. I mean, once they were on, I just, I couldn't help looking at them and, and being, you know, thinking back on the Capitol riots and mm. these people inside the US Capitol, you know, unmasked, on camera, you know, just basically performing these criminal acts, you know, and, and just shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, there was a kid climbing on the back of the, the goal on the netting. Um, you know, it was just the one guy trashed uh, some a tripod from the media stand. And you just got to know, like, uh, you know, protests, you know, I, I understand the protests and I support, I support the, the, the cause. Um, I think greed and, and, and football ownership needs, they need to be addressed. Um, but I just felt sorry for those guys because I think it, basically they might have fucked up their ability to go to games ever again because, like, you're on camera now doing this kind of stuff. And that, and that, that made me sad because, like, I want the fans to be able to have their voice and say what they need to say. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's tough when they're on, um, you know, when they're on the, on the pitch. 
I think yeah. it might backfire. But I, I completely 100% support them. I think it's great. I think that they, a lot of them were inspired by what they saw Arsenal fans doing at the Everton game. I think I saw Liverpool and United fans saying, you know, good on the Arsenal, you know, on the, on the Gooners for, um, for showing, you know, how to do a protest, you know. Um, and I think continual pressure against whether it's the Glazers or Fenway or, you know, our owners, Cronky and, um, yeah, I'd like to see the pressure just continue because I think as as one football United supporters fan, you know, fan groups, I think that we just need to keep passing the baton and just keep keep the the media's attention on this issue, so that the government can step in because I think that that's where the solution is going to come ultimately. Yeah, I think I, I seem to be on trial at the moment. I'm not quite sure how. It... You seem to be on what? Twice. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I can see you. Oh, fine. Um, oh good, good. Um, I, I think entering um, the ground, even if the steward has let them in, is, is pro problematic. It, it changes the process to something else, and, and you likened it to Capitol Hill. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I mean, I personally wouldn't want to see our fans replicate that on Thursday. If I'm, if I'm honest, it's firstly it's a hugely important game, and I don't I want the team to be mentally prepared and not kind of having sitting in the hotel having the kickoff time put back and stuff, um, and and that's that's just being selfish I suppose. Um, but also I think Arsenal and Arsenal fans have all done it. Uh, this kind of thing very um, uh, professional, not, not professional, but, but uh, conducted themselves well when it comes to protests. I'm, I'm old enough to remember the Arsenal Action Group and um, I went to a couple of the meetings. Um, so I'm expecting to see protests. But I, I personally, I don't want to see them uh, kind of almost invade the ground. I don't know what you think, Paul. Um, yeah, I, you know, there's a comment here while I was talking, Kieran Delaney here says, what are you on yeah. about, mate? Fair play to those people passionate enough to make a stand. Um, don't get me wrong. I, I completely support 100% what the fans have done at Old Trafford. You know, um, the pitch invasion thing, um, I just, the, my only comment was, I'm not going to judge it good, you know, good or bad. The guys are there. They do stuff in the heat of the moment. My only comment was that at the end of the day, you know, these fans, a few of them could have, you know, you know, face severe consequences for the rest of their lives. You know, they may never be allowed into a ground again, you know what I mean, if they get identified or whatever. And I think that would be sad because it's like, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to see that, you know. So I think maybe I'm advocating people wearing masks or something, um, you know. Uh, and as far as what you just said about whether we should do a pitch invasion on Thursday night and, um, disrupt that. Um, I'm not sure. I think I agree with you. I'm, I'm not sure I would like to see that so much resting on the game. Um, I, I, you know, but at the same time, if you're gonna if you're gonna try and make a difference and make an impact, then you've got to be ruthless and you've got to you know disrupt and you've got to make impact where it counts the most. And so, in that sense, you know, perhaps disrupting Thursday night's game would be the best time to um, you know <laughs> to make a stand and 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 do that. Mm -hmm. I just personally, I'm not sure I would. I don't know. I, the jury's out on that one. You know, okay. um, that's that's kind of where I'm at on that thing. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is a tough one. Uh, I, I don't know what it would take to get either the Glazers, the Cronkers to, to sell. Uh, I mean, those, those are the two clubs where fans seem to think there's a chance of, of forcing the owners to sell. Uh, but I don't know, you know, it, 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 I don't think that's in their mindset of American sports owners. Um, Dave has a friend, um, Dave uh, Seager, my Gunnerstown partner, um, who's yeah. often on this podcast. He has a friend who's written, I think it was an article, just came out recently saying that, um, I don't know what his sources are, or how reliable it is, he seems pretty reliable, um, that basically Arsenal has been privately, it's been known that, you know, the Cronkies are open, you know, um, to selling it. Now, I don't know how that stands in the light of what happened with the European Super League. Um, and it's interesting with the Spotify, you know, with Ek throwing his hat in the ring with a couple of, you know, invincibles behind him. Um, I, you know, I, I think that's, that's, you know, in fact, you and I think it was you, me and Olaf who were on, on the, the podcast on Thursday. <laughs> And Olaf was saying, oh, you know, it's not going to happen. Where are you going to find a billionaire that wants to buy the club? And it's interesting that, like, literally the very next morning, or maybe even while we were speaking, you know, he threw his hat in the ring. Um, so that's one way of changing it. But I think, and the Arsenal supporters trust uh, Tim Payton and Akil Vies and, and all the people that have done amazing work in media over the last week. And, you know, we've been passionate on the ground and social media as 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 supporters. What they've been doing is, you know, meeting with Keir Starmer and, and Boris Johnson and talking about, you know, changes in the laws regarding football ownership um, and, you know, the 50 plus one models, different models, you know, you know, giving, giving some protection to the clubs as institutions. Um, and I think that that's probably if we, if we can keep the pressure up like United fans did today and like we did on, um, you know, last Friday, um, I think if we can keep that going, there would be, you know, there could be some kind of commission of inquiry into figuring out how, you know, how to not let this happen. And um, that may provoke um, those owners who are looking for a more guaranteed source of making billions off of us. Um, they might say, listen, if I, could, I can't stick around, you know, um, so I'd rather sell. Or if they're forced to sell 49% of their shares, it may not be, you know, it may not be as um, appealing to them. So there's the, these two prongs that need to happen at the same time. And, and if they do, I think, yeah, there might be some real, real change, which I'd like to see. And I'm sure you would too. Yeah. I would. Uh, as I think we said on that podcast, uh, you referred to. Uh, the, the, the thing with American owners, you know, the Cronkers moved a team from St. Louis to Los Angeles. Um, they didn't care about the protests in St. Louis. They moved them to Los Angeles so that they could play in a stadium that the Cronkers built and owned and therefore kept all the receipts from and could host a second team. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't know if they would. Um, I, I would like them to, but it's kind of, you don't, we, we, we don't know that if Daniel Ek it, it will, will suddenly invest a load of money in the team. And we'll go out and say, you know, here's, here's half a billion pounds, go and sign the title-winning team. I don't think that will happen. Um, and so I think we, we need to be careful. And my concern is 
that as fans, and I suppose it's kind of thinking his, historically to previous protests back in the 80s and stuff, we're, we're going to almost begin to push ourselves into a way where, for example, we want to lose on Thursday. Because if we get into the Champions League, it's a it's a positive for the Cronkers. They're less likely to sell, um, and and I, I don't want that because yeah, that then becomes self defeating. It's always a tough situation. I always move. I always liken it to um, like to working on a moving car. So if you're in a race in a car and you're racing around the track, um, you know, trying to fix something while you're in the middle of it um, or to influence it is a little bit like leaning over and working on a moving wheel, you know, and trying to change the wheel while it's going round and round, like you know, it's going to fall off and, and everything's going to fall apart. So it's really tough. You know, I think, I think well-aimed protest is always good. I think mm. even when it was down to just booing, um, booing players on the pitch, um, you know, during the, the, the AWB, the Wenger out and the um, AWB days, you know, that kind of thing. It needs to be focused. I think whatever whatever energy is directed towards fixing something, it needs to be focused on the thing that's broken, you know. Yeah. And if we if we don't want to affect the, the players who are representing us in trying to keep the car moving, and to trying to get us into the Champions League, which would be a better thing than us not being in the Champions League. So yeah. if we're going to do something that is going to affect the people that we don't want it to affect. Then we've done it. We've done the wrong thing. I think that we need to be very specifically focused on making change happen where it needs to happen and not creating too much collateral damage around the people on the pitch, the people that have worked for the club, loyal servants that do their best day in and day out and have proved themselves to be amazing, you know, servants to Arsenal and the cause. Those are not the people that we want to affect, you know. So I think it needs to be kind of clinical, precise, surgical, you know, um, so blanket blanket protests that that ruin our chances to get into the Champions League. I don't. Yeah. I'm kind of just crystallizing my thoughts as I speak, but I, I don't. No, you know, that's I, okay. I, yeah, yeah. So that's where. Okay, so uh, we're coming to the end of the podcast. Um, one thing I'd like to ask you is, what do you think will happen on Thursday in terms of the game? You know, for the Prague away game, I was terribly nervous. I thought after we'd lost the first leg, <clears throat> I thought our hopes were, were slim. And then we put on a performance that was just, you know, staggering. It was, it was as good as any I've seen in, in ages, you know. Um, I'd like to think that, that, Arsenal, that Arsenal can produce that instead of the second round against Olympiacos that we produced to get knocked out last season. Um I think in my heart of hearts, we can get through. And then we've got another huge mountain to climb <laughs> if we end up playing United, because I think they're in form and, and um, it's going to be a tough game. Um, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. This, this game really, really is, it's so important. And I just hope that, um, yeah, I just hope that the players are up for it. Because at the end of the day, if they're up for it, we can beat, we can beat that team every day of the week. I think we're better than them. Um, so I'd like um, to think that, yeah, I'd like to think that we can win maybe 2-0 <laughs> and go through. Um, if we can stop them from scoring an away goal, that'd be great. Yeah. I, I, the eternal optimist, I believe we'll win. I, I think we'll win 3-0, but, but I'm sure once I get to Thursday evening, 
uh, it'll be yeah, one nil will be fine. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, you know, maybe and and because it's the anniversary of our our historic double, you know, mm. if, if these players have any sense of history, maybe they'll they'll rise to the occasion because, you know, um, yeah, it, it's 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 an important time for Arsenal. We've got some great articles coming out. I've I've edited them and 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 they they're being published from Monday onwards. Um, because we had them planned before the media blackout. But Gary Lawrence, who's a, an Arsenal fan um, yeah. and has been around for a long time, um, he's written a four-part series um, remembering the, 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 the double from 1771. Um, and it's really amazing. He, it's, it's so visceral, you know, like when you've got somebody who is there and, and talks about those players and, and the build-up and how it all went yeah. down. It's going to be great. So, so look, look out for those on Gunnerstown, you know, to... Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to reading them. I was kind of there. I was at Wembley. Uh, I, I wasn't at White Hart Lane. I was far <laughs> too young to go to away games. Um, but what I would say is tomorrow, for any Arsenal fans that don't know, is the 50th anniversary of the first time we won the league at White Hart Lane. And it's, uh, it's a bank holiday Monday. And I expect there's going to be lots of stuff on Twitter, Facebook, with, with clips of Ray Kennedy's goal and the Arsenal fans swarming on the White Hunt Lane pitch. So look at it, consume it, share it, while make make tomorrow a tsunami of, of Arsenal activity on Twitter. When does the band when does the blackout end? At three o'clock, right? I think so, yes. So so from three o'clock onwards. Yeah. Um Yes, thing. thank you for okay. reminding me of that. Yes, <laughs> after the blackout, make it a tsunami of Arsenal memorabilia uh, from '71, and uh, hopefully we'll do it all again on Saturday after Thursday. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, Jeez, but let's get through Thursday, right? That'll be that's true. That's true. Oh, well, thank, thank you for joining me, Paul, and thank it's you for joining me, Chris. <laughs> and um, good luck and have a good rest of bank holiday to all you gooners out there. And all of you that participated in the comments and stuff, thanks. We really yes. appreciate your, your input. You. Um, so, yeah, that's it. <laughs> good luck for Thursday and thanks again for having me, Merv. You're welcome. <laughs> Cheers. Ooh.